The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is a Sunday morning of a bank holiday and we are going to talk about the month that was October and what a month it has been. Uh, in the celebrity news wise, we're not going to talk about the the serious stuff. Um, massive changes in Ireland over 50 years thanks to the CSO. The best-selling celebrity memoir of all time. Michelle and Jolene are here to discuss that and much more. Hello, I feel I haven't seen you in here I know good morning good morning no Taylor Swift talk today (laughs) Michelle (laughs) don't jinx it just whenever you need me I will be on call for Taylor but she you know she doesn't need me anymore she's doing her own PR very (laughs) well can I ask you a Taylor question just really quickly how do you pronounce the new boyfriend's name someone else asked me this and I thought it was Kelts but then apparently the family pronounced it Kelsey Kelsey. so I think you can say Kelts or Kelsey but I don't think he's going to stick around long Oh, do you not? No, no, I don't think it's for real. No, no. So Is it because don't bother learning like how to pronounce her, You it. like her when she's. I just um, want her to get back with Joe. Yeah, you like the high end actor types, do you? Is that what Joe wants? No, I just want her to have real love. <laughs> okay, let's get off. All right, Taylor. let's move on from it's Taylor. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah, exactly. From Taylor to Britney, and this Britney memoir just kind of suddenly appeared for me. I'm sure if you're a massive Britney fan, you knew of it. The Woman in Me. It's the best-selling celebrity memoir in history on its first day of release, and the stories that Britney recounts are both tragic, horrifying, phenomenal. Fun. I am not a memoir person. Will you be reading this? I absolutely will be. Okay. Do I'm you not love a Britney? memoir. I grew up with Britney. I looked up to her. I loved her and her Christina Aguilera when she's gone out just in Timberlake, the double denim. Like that's for me synopsis of my childhood growing up to hit me baby one more time and toxic. And you know, I'm not a memoir person. I got very excited when I saw this was coming out because we've obviously been following it. Um, you know, in the news the last particularly two years. But also because she's come through so many different chapters in her life that whether you followed her or not, it was a sensational part of pop culture throughout the last 20 okay. years. Um, but when it comes to memoirs, though, I haven't read one. So I'm actually, this would be my first from start Maybe to finish. Maybe listen to it. I've, I've, the only memoir I've ever like consumed, I listen to rather one, than read. Yeah, and to listen, I'll probably fall asleep. That's when I listen to them. (laughs) But um, I had gotten just over halfway through the recent Pamela Anderson one and I had to put it down because it was such a hard read. Now, in the office, there's a copy of it um, in the last couple of days and I got to flick through it. Now, I haven't started it yet. The Britney one. The Britney one. And there is... No photos, Jolene. No photos. Disappointing. Orla is so disappointed with no photos. No photos. I do enjoy that about memoirs, all the little things in the the middle where you see them being children. I love memoirs and I kind of accidentally fell into memoirs. I love the library and I would browse for mm. things. And I started, I think, with one of the ones that I surprised that I loved was Demi Moore's memoir. Okay. Yeah. Um, so recently read like Sinead O'Connor's, Gina Davis's and so on. So I love personal stories, but I actually don't know if I'll read this because I think it's going to be a very difficult read. And I have mixed feelings about reading it because of Britney's mental illness. Totally. And that's like to be respectful, I suppose, of someone. I completely understand that she's allowed to tell her story Mm. and everything. Um, But, you know, Brittany was diagnosed with bipolar Mm -hmm. disorder 10 years ago now. Um, And of course, her mental illness has shaped her experience of life. And I suppose many people would say that her, um, you know, fame at such a young age and the kind of different things that she's been through yeah. and the abuse really that she's mm-hmm. been through um, was the trigger for that illness. Um, 
But yeah, I think that there's going to be a lot of difficult things coming up in this. And I don't know. I don't know if it's a good thing necessarily for Mm -hmm. Britney. That remains to be seen. Now, it has a ghostwriter, so it's not a stream of consciousness. It is uh, ghostwritten, which I think is, is important in this case. But I'm like you. I find it very difficult to match what what I see of Britney on social media and her own content, like what she's putting out there herself and then a memoir. I find it a, a little bit, you know, jarring, you know, jarring and, a, and a, a bit on the make. And I don't mean that from Britney at all. I mean, on, on another side. I so. mean, her family have said that they don't think that she's aware of the repercussions mm. of this and what it's going to bring on mm. for her and mm. for the people involved. And I don't think that they're actually saying that to protect themselves. I think mm-hmm. they are saying that about her. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anyone who knows someone who's dealing with a mental illness or is dealing with one themselves knows that um, it can have a, such an impact on how you see the world and how you process emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if this is right for Britney's recovery mm-hmm. and what's going to happen with it if it's right for mm-hmm. Britney's recovery. But then I don't also don't want to shade her right to share her story. Oh, totally, totally. Just, is this the time? Yeah. Okay, that is um, this The Woman in Me, the best-selling celebrity mm. memoir in history. And, you know, we're all so intrigued by Britney. And uh, as Jolene said, we've all grown up watching the, some, you know, the what was seen as back then madcap and something to laugh at. And but now he, we realise that that woman was hounded by the paparazzi. But even at the age of 16, like regardless of, you know, the, the, the age she was at the time, she was, you know, absolutely glorified as a sex symbol, mm. um, whether she was 16 or 25 mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. she's shaped her life. She was 16 yeah. and hit me baby yeah. one and more time. If anything, and it really is an, uh, uh, an example of what what used to happen back then and yeah. how women were treated in, in celebrity compared to the Justin Timberlates of the, wa- of exactly. the world. So even if you watch, read it for that, you know, but no photos. Um <laughs> You really want photos. (laughs) I know. The glossy pages. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Let's talk to CSO. And I loved this story in the middle of October that came out because it was to mark half century of Ireland's um, European Union membership. And I I didn't even realise it was that because it was so intriguing how Ireland was so different 50 years ago. And some of it will be actually quite galling if you're in the lookout to buy a house Mm, or what you're earning. Like back in 1973, a house costs the equivalent of nine thousand euro these days, whereas these days the average cost of a house is three hundred and eighteen thousand. I remember, euro. I remember telling a story of somebody cleaning out a house from like the seventies. Mm-hmm. It was a family home, and they were cleaning out in the eighties, and they came across, you know, the pile of money. It was in the chimney or under the mattress or under floorboard somewhere, and it was the equivalent of. Uh, I think it was coming up to maybe ten thousand euro what it is now, but wow. they bought a house in Tala <gasps> for it, and Stop. the house is worth over four hundred thousand oh euro gosh. now. Wow! Um, they like look at your face, Michelle. <laughs> like uh, they were able to buy a four bed house in Tala for the money that they found in another home. You know, when they're renovating. What wow. I know. That's so. I just I had this conversation with my father even at the weekend. Um, uh, just the idea that it one person on one person's income. Mm. You could purchase a property and support a family. Mm-hmm. That's what The Simpsons was built on, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a guy who had one job and it wasn't even a college level job. And he supported a mm-hmm. wife and children. And yeah. now... A huge house. Yeah. Now, the equivalent is that their weekly earnings in 1973 were €38. Euro. So if you were buying a house for nine grand, it would cost you... What, a hundred, three hundred? Am I right in saying that? Three hundred times your... It's still about, it's about, what, three times your annual salary? Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. You know, so that's still mm-hmm. not 
near what it is now. And this one for all of us, all three of us, <laughs> that the average age to get married was 27 for men and 24, just going on 25, 24.8 for brides. Where the average now is 37.4 for males and 35 and a half for so me- funny. females. It's My mum was actually 24 when she got married. Well, no so way. 77. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It's it's really like 50 years is no length really and it's it's astounding in ways to see the changes in the country. Even the population, 2.9 million compared to 5.1 million people these days. And if you know any of these people, these names, you'll kind of guess their age. The number one um, names in 1973 were John and Mary. Oh my God, that's my parents. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) There you are. They'll be delighted. I think, think they're going to make a comeback. I think Mary's going to become retro. Okay. Yeah. I think in a couple of years' time, we're all going to start calling people Peg and Mary, and it'll be like a throwback. Oh, I think it? I know some children called Peg. Yeah. So maybe you're right. Cornelius maybe. and Geraldine and Jacqueline. I know there a few Jacquelines and Deirdre's. Yeah. As well. I don't know if I'd call someone Cornelius. 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 Hey, Corny. <laughs> there you go. You can look. If you look at the CSO figures, you'll see lots of information. It is so intriguing. Oh, I can't believe it's 50 years ago. I still think of the 70s as 30 oh, years yeah, ago. Totally. I know. Totally. I was like, what? You mean half a quarter of a century? Yeah. There you go. Uh, let's talk Tommy Tiernan. And Tommy Tiernan is me. I am Tommy. <laughs> Tommy. Orla, it's meant to be a secret. <laughs> Tommy ha- is on tour in the US and he's been warned that um, fans will be escorted out of the venue if they're seen using a watch or a smartwatch during performances on his latest tour. Now, Tommy has done this before with mobiles and he's gone a step further and said that smartwatches are the same. And I have to say the smartwatch annoys me so much. So many times you're not going to see me on the radio, but I'm going to describe it. <laughs> I've been talking to my friends about something that could be really serious or frivolous and they will just look down at their wrist. Do the little tap. To the, and do the little tap. Rude. Rude. I Thank didn't realise. Rude. I, until you said this to me when you said this about the ta- the phones and I was like, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've seen that before. That would annoy me too if I was on stage. And then you said the smartwatches. You sparked something in me that I didn't realise was a subconscious pet peeve of mine <laughs> that I've seen it over the last couple of years so, or especially like in the recent months and do that little tap. You could tap. be in the middle of saying, hey, I, I need you to do something or, you know, uh, you know, I, I heard this really funny mm. story. Like you're literally in the middle of engaging with someone yeah. on face-to-face communication and they're distracted by the little thing on their hand to press the button but they actually the people who stop and read it I love oh, yeah. when they actually when they just click it off and they keep the eye contact yeah. that's a different type oh, of level totally. of commitment. I don't know many of those people Joey. doesn't happen often now no. Orla no. next time someone does that Orla you just click your fingers in their face oh, oh lads <laughs> Here I got I a finger clip. Um, I was at Tommy Tiernan in, in London last year and he actually did do this at the start of the show. Uh-huh. So he gave, he made it very funny, but he was like, if you take out your phone, you are a beep hole. And if you see someone do it, you have my permission to punch them in the face. Like, um, And we were all just then terrified. We're like, respect, respect, respect. Don't take out your phone, respect. And but you did work? enjoy it more. But isn't that calling out? I think that's what we need in a public sphere anyway. That whole calling out of... Stop using your phone in front I of know. people. I Even moments. when I was at a concert recently, it was, I was, I'm trying to see the band. I don't want to see them through your phone. And are, yeah. are those people actually going to look back on those videos? No. 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 They're, they're just, just sat not. there on their phones for yeah, collecting exactly. space. And I love this idea of this new technology that's going to be used in the US as well. This Yonder, it's a system that locks accessories in a little special um, pouch that can only be opened then by event staff. So you still have your phone. You know that argument of I'm not giving you my yeah. phone. 
can be taken away by these pouches. I like the idea of it because it like that it's everybody is trapped in the same, you know, atmosphere <laughs> of enjoying the performance that you've paid probably over 100 euro for. But um, when you've seen the pouch, the first thing that came to my mind was my niece is in a school in Wexford and she's in second year and they're given these pouches but they're magnetic locks. Oh. And you hold onto the pouch and you put your phone into it and once you cross the line into school, the magnetic pouch locks, you can't get your Amazing. phone until the end of the day. Wow. Oh, my, <laughs> I'm going to call her out now. My niece left it at the front of her uh, school bag and because she did, wasn't paying attention to it, it smashed the phone. She gets a new phone and then she gets a... And she was amongst a few people that put calculators in because if the teachers want to have a... It's, it's not see-through pouch okay. or have to see to make sure your phone is in it and she got caught. <gasps> she put a calculator she in because She put a calculator in because she thought it was... A, no, no. That, so that that's, uh, that's something that they can't do. But the pouches are absolutely a great idea. I don't know how I'd feel if I went to a venue in whether it was Dublin or London and they took my phone into a pouch like... Like I, Next I, thing they're going to do it at weddings. Uh, yeah. weddings. I'd love to see that. I, I went yeah. to one recently really and I said, are you doing a no social media ban? And they're like, nah, don't care. And then I went to one a couple of months ago and it even said on the invite and a reminder at the a venue, like we, we are documenting our day. So please feel free to not use your phones. Like we are not wanting anything to spread mm-hmm. on social media uh-huh. for the mm-hmm. next fortnight or something. They give people two weeks grace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was the month that was October. Um, mobile. I'm going to say mobile phones. We don't say that anymore, do we? Mobile. Oh, I'll mobile call you phone. on my mobile. <laughs> <laughs> Catch me on my mobile. say that, Michelle, and yet I call no one. Smartphones, Tommy Tiernan, bit of Britney, and statistics we, of statistics. 1973. And we did touch on Taylor Swift as well. Yeah, yes, we got we Taylor did. in there. Thanks. <laughs> so Michelle's happy. Thanks a million. Talk Thank to you, you in November. Bye. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and Halloween is almost upon us and it's an exciting time for four women with paranormal activity on their minds. They are Lisa, Karen, Serena and Emma. They are the Paragals and they recently visited a spooky southeast location with our very own Megan from Beat's Most Wanted and The Takeover. So for the season that's in it, Lisa Whelan, one of the Paragals, joins me to tell me about ghost hunting in the southeast and around Ireland. You're very welcome, Lisa. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm assuming this is your happiest season of all. Am I right in, in thinking that? Or are you oh, going to say you're yeah. a Christmas girl? Oh, no, we're we're spooky season girls, all of us. <laughs> you love it. And you're based in Gorey in County Wexford. Yeah, we are. How did this all come about for you? How did you get involved in the paranormal and enjoying it? I, I myself, I've always been um, interested in the paranormal. I think growing up in Ireland, you kind of hear all the folk stories mm. and things like that. It's just a natural interest. And anything in particular that interested you? Any stories in particular that grabbed you? The Banshee. I was always fascinated by the Banshee. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Can you explain the Banshee for people who might not know the story of the Banshee? So the Banshee, they say that um, the old Irish families all had a Banshee each. And if there was an imminent debt in the family, the banshee would appear and would be wailing or screeching outside of the, the home of that person. When I was a child, that story frightened the life out of me. I can, <laughs> I can kind of take the, the folklore and the fantasy of it now, but those sort of stories were so When scary. you're younger. Yeah, exactly. So while I was like, you know, completely scared, you were, were soaking <laughs> it all in, were you, and, and enjoying those yeah, stories? Yeah, I was always fascinated by it. I, I think I'm very hard to scare, so I've always been chasing 
that scare, you know, chasing that fright. <laughs> so how did you all get together with these three people of your similar tribe who love to chase the fright? How did this all come about? Uh, so myself and Karen worked together and uh, Karen and Serena had been on uh, public investigations before mm. together. Um, and Karen just invited me along one time. I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, but we went on a public investigation in Loftus Hall. And from there, we just kind of all came together and and decided we could do it by ourselves and, and started Paragals. But Loftus Hall is the one that you always hear about, isn't it? In the Hawk yeah. County Wexford. Yeah. And did, yeah. did you enjoy that experience? Is enjoy even the right word for, for what you experienced? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we, we loved uh, the, the public investigations are great for anyone that's trying to dip their toe in and see if it's something they like because you kind of get a taste of everything and it's it's brilliant. Yeah, we, we loved Loftus Hall. It's really enjoyable down there. So you're now Paragals. So you're doing it yourselves and are you inviting people to do it with you or, or what are you doing? No, we're just a private group. It's just the four of us. Um, okay. Sometimes we bring friends or family along, but uh, we don't do public nights or anything like that just yet. Okay. Um we just go to locations and try and find out if there's any paranormal activity there. So you brought our Megan last week. We to did. Yeah. The Athenaeum. Tell us a little bit about the Athenaeum in Enniscorthy, the story behind it. So the Athenaeum was originally built as a like a public hall. There was a theatre, billiard rooms, library, that kind of thing. Um, but during the 1916 Rising, it was used as a base. It was the biggest base outside of Dublin for the 1916 Rising. And um, so parts of it were used as a morgue or recovery rooms and stuff like that. So that's kind of where the haunting comes from. I think it's like a lot of residual energy in there. Wow. And like the building itself, you know, buildings can be quite creepy themselves, can't they? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Especially if you're in them in, in the dark with low lighting. And <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine I would not be in them in the dark and low lighting, to tell you the truth, Lisa. It's, it, I would be absolutely terrified. But you sound like you just get such a buzz from it. Oh, we do. Yeah. It's a real adrenaline rush in, 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 this, in the moment when you're in it. <laughs> and tell me what sort of technology you use. We do lots of different experiments. So there's there's so many things we have. um cat balls so these are just like literally a cat toy that's what they're designed for okay. Um, you have to touch them to light them up so we would place them around the room and then if some if they go they light up you know that has to be something touching them to make them light up oh, okay. uh, we use a spirit box which is uh, basically it's it's sweeping through radio stations mm-hmm. uh, at a fast level and then the idea is that the spirits can pick out words from whatever FM frequencies mm-hmm. that they come across and you can hear the words come true like that. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's lots of different things, so many different experiments you can do. OK, so you've been to the Athenaeum in Enniscorthy. Another southeast location that you've been to before is Duckett's Grove in County Carlow. Uh, did that live up to expectations too? Yes, Duckett's Grove is a fantastic place to go, yeah. OK, and any other ones that you've enjoyed <laughs> even outside the southeast? Um, another great place would be Tarbert Jail. It's in Kerry. Okay. That's a fantastic location. Um, very spooky. Lots of activity going on there. Wow. Um, we have Leap Castle, another great place to go. Okay. Is that in Tipperary? I'm thinking that's in Tipperary. Yeah. And do you enjoy the history behind the different buildings as well as the kind of spooky stories that go with it? Oh, yeah. It's brilliant. Like you learn so much about your country that you didn't know before, buildings around it and stuff. It's, it's a great learning experience. 
Yeah, good stuff. I see you also went to the the scariest of scary places, I think, when it comes to places in Dublin. And people, I hear so many people talk about it and it's Hellfire Club in County Dublin. Um, it even looks yes. so freaky, the, the way and the graffiti that's on the wall. What was that experience like? It's really great up there. It's really eerie as soon as you, it's so beautiful outside, you see. And then as soon as you walk in, you just feel that difference you just feel that shift in the atmosphere when you walk inside it oh. well listen thanks William, for talking to me this morning and um, paragals.ireland is the instagram of lisa karen serena and emma and they've gone to so many different locations in ireland so even if you just want to look at their photos and look at what they're doing it's a really interesting read um, and i hope you frightened the bejesus out of megan did you <laughs> Megan, she was so scared going in, but you know, I think she had a great night. <laughs> okay, good stuff. No better woman. Thanks a million for talking to me today, Lisa. That is Lisa Whelan, one fourth of Paragals, and they are on Instagram at Paragals Ireland. And are you on Facebook and all other places as well? Yeah, Facebook and TikTok as well, the same name. Okay, good stuff. Thanks a million. Happy Halloween. Brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> the Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103. It's a Sunday morning. It's a bank holiday Sunday morning. Even better. And you're listening to Beat 102 and 03. Have you got your blurb? Hand it over. My blurb? All but myself? Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Okay. <laughs> Take it away then. I mean, I, I have it right here. All right. Say it. Uh, this beautiful, <laughs> stunning hunk of a man who has, has opinions that at same time seem controversial and at times also seem completely biased on the fact of whether or not how tired he was when he went <laughs> to see the film. <laughs> Is here to talk about film again. Yay! Yay! Brian's here. Hello. <laughs> Last week he wanted a big intro and I told him he had to write it himself yeah, and Brian forgot. Yeah. So Brian has only himself to blame. Mm. So here he is, Brian Griffin. Yeah. Let's talk trolls. Yes, I, f- I faced a battle this week. And why was, oh. I just couldn't, yes. I couldn't bring myself to go see Killers of the I, Flower Moon. I don't blame you. Is it three and a half hours? Three and a half hours. Yeah. It's not even the time thing is an issue. It's, I just know it's going to be another Oppenheimer and I just don't want to do that again. And you did Oppenheimer, didn't you? I did Oppenheimer. You did one after the I would, other. I wouldn't have Barbie, done... I, I don't think I would have gone to Oppenheimer if it wasn't Barbenheimer. Yes. I, I, I just knew I wouldn't and then I didn't <laughs> and I was like... And do you know what the Scorsese film? I, can't, I can never even remember its name. I'll just call Killers it the... Killers of the Flower Moon. Killers of the Flower Moon. Like it's, it's about... Well, every, everything that I've seen about it and from people that have gone to see it have just been like, it's a half an hour movie told over three and a half hours. What has happened to the world? We have uh, lots of I this. don't know. I feel like it's just one of those things of who's going to say Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro? I know. Mm. No? Yeah, I know. No but, one's uh, going to come out with it. I will. Well, but, Martin, that was way too long. Yeah, but yeah. like, look, it's up to, it's up to, like pe- people seem to enjoy it. I don't think it's getting the reception that they wanted though. I don't okay. think it's getting the like, Instant classic type vibe. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Same with the Irish, like kind of same reaction as the Irishman. That's just like everyone's like too long. But I feel like if it was one of those things of a limited short series, people would probably be praising it. Yes, Do you know. So exactly. I think it's just the three and a half hour in one sitting. Uh-huh. I probably would watch it at home if I didn't have to focus on it completely. It, totally, and I don't think Scorsese ever, has ever done television, like done a series or anything. So I, maybe now it's maybe his time. Yeah, maybe we'll was... we'll look that up while we play a clip which is not a Scorsese movie, yeah. but in fact, the One latest better. from DreamWorks. It is Trolls Band Together. Let's have a listen. 
We are gonna make boy band history tonight. Bro, you're making baby branch nervous. I feel like I'm gonna barf and pass out and... Pee your pants all at once? How'd you know? Give it up for Rosa! My exquisitely chiseled rock-hard abs and I quit. Branch, we're out of sync. We've gone from boys to men, and now there's only one direction for us to go. The back streets. Bye. See you later. Branch. What? Oh, hey. Are you all right? You're smiling and crying at the same time. It kind of looks like it's hurting your face. It does hurt my face. Oh, baby, Branch. I'm John Dory. Branch's brother. What? <laughs> Former brother. Oh, I like this. This sounds cute. Uh, just so you know, Martin Scorsese, he hasn't made full seasons, but he's directed episodes for some television series like um, Boardwalk Empire. Do you remember that? The HBO yeah, no. series and then Vinyl in 2016, which I've never, ever well, maybe I have heard of it and I just don't know. But anyway, let's call talk about trolls band together. It's um, such a different vibe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's Anna Kendrick, who I haven't heard of in anything in a long time. And Justin Timberlake are Poppy and Branch. They're now officially and finally a couple that we like to call Broppy. But Poppy then discovers that Branch was once in a boy band. Yeah. I love this. this yeah. is, I'm know, not going to lie. Reality colliding. I love when these kind of things happen. I love this. Yeah. Tell us more so. Yeah, so basically he used to be in a boy band with his brothers so it's very kind of Jackson And what was the boy band called? Uh, Brozone. Brozone. Which is very <laughs> boy zone. Oh, yeah, little, boy zone would be delighted. I don't know if it's a boy zone reference but, I know, but I would take that if I yeah, was there. But like yeah. they, they keep like at the start they keep throwing in puns like we want to go in one, one direction we're not in sync. <laughs> we, like we don't want to end up on the back streets and I was like this is so stupid I love it. <laughs> I love it. You wouldn't get that in a Scorsese movie. You just wouldn't. And uh, it's basically about, like, his brothers, are, like, they basically have a performance mm-hmm. and it doesn't go well. Okay. And they just all separate and go completely their separate ways. Uh-huh. And basically it's a movie about getting the band literally back together. Okay. A year's on. Years, 20 years later, I do so believe. Am I right in thinking there's original music by NSYNC within it? There is, but that's kind of a spoiler. Oh. So we won't talk about too but, much about okay. that. All right, we I don't want to. I don't want to have spoilers for this movie because okay. I'm not gonna lie. I went in literally. I didn't even see the trailer for it, so I literally went in completely blind. I like the first Trolls movie. I remember seeing in the cinema. I remember seeing it at 11 a.m. on the Saturday morning. It was the first screening of it in Limerick, Odeon, and I was there. I sat in the front row because it was just children and their parents. <laughs> And I loved it. I loved it so much. So, were you the oldest kid in town when you loved Trolls? Oh, well, when I, in the, when I saw the first one. And the second one came out a few years ago. I think it was during lockdown. And, oh, yes. um, that's big of that. Yeah, and uh, it wasn't great. I remember it just kind of, it felt one of those kind of movies that mm-hmm. they just completely mm-hmm. wanted for the money kind of thing. Okay. And then this one, uh, it was myself and an old man in the screen and he left. <laughs> so, oh. I wasn't the oldest person in there. So sorry. Until I was. There was just you and one other person watching mm. this. Yeah. That makes me sad. It was sad, but it was also like half two in the day. Okay. So okay. everyone was still probably in school. Justin and Anna, well able to do a bit of everything. Yeah. As fantastic. we know, uh, singing, dancing are all rounders. Yeah. And the, there's a whole, the whole cast is really fantastic because Zoe Deschanel and, and Christopher Mintz Plass were in the first one. They were the... Kind of the original Bergens, I believe they're called. They're kind of the, the enemies of the trolls but became their friends. Okay. And then, um, like... Branch's brothers are played by Troy Savan, David Diggs, uh, 
then Kid Cudi and Eric Andre. Okay. So and then Camille Cabello's in there as well, RuPaul. Like it's such a random eclectic group, Anderson Pack. It's like such a random group of people. Mm-hmm. And it's just I don't know, it's all those trolls movies always end up so wholesome. They're mm-hmm. all like it's about basically expanding music knowledge for kids, I feel. Okay. There's so many songs sung in it. Yeah. They're like, I've never heard this song in a movie, even though it's a really popular uh-huh. older song. I've never heard it sang in a movie before. Or they so, don't know it at all. But like if you were like 10 years old going in to see this, it's mm. like a song. It's introducing you to new, new music mm-hmm. and stuff, do you mm-hmm. know? So it's like, I don't know. So what's it, what's it for you then? If it's sweet oh. and wholesome for kids, it was, is, has it got those kind of left of field jokes for you it that ha- some animation has? It has some like jokes towards like boy bands and stuff that I feel aren't really relevant to now, but I feel like it definitely like, I feel like the whole movie is basically what life was like for Justin Timberlake after NSYNC and okay. get, getting kind of the, the group back together because like it's it's fun they do a really fun thing though because this is just the way this like the, each each boy band member is like the fun one the mm-hmm. sensitive one the the good looking one mm-hmm. all of them kind of go completely against what they were in the band as, okay. as they meet them in the movie and it's like I don't know there's, there's this thing of like like it's definitely like that when you're seen as like like the fun one of the groups. Like after a while, you just don't want to have anything to do mm-hmm. with that. Mm-hmm. And he becomes the one that's like the accountant. And mm-hmm. It's like I don't know. And it's like bringing them all back together is uh, it's, it's a very wholesome kind of a story. And then Poppy and Branch are together. They are a couple. Yes, a long term couple. Uh, hopefully, marriage on we the hope, cards. We hope happily ever after. Okay, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, can I bring my child who gets very scared of things to this? She's seven. Yeah. I, are there any scary bits? Not, no. No? Not at all. You actually. sure? Yeah. Not okay. A, not in any way. Good stuff. Because that's what we said about Super Mario when there was a monster from the start. <laughs> we had to leave the cinema within 10 minutes. Was it because of Bowser? Because of Bowser. Oh, yeah. Bowsy, more like. Yeah, Bowsy is right. Trolls band together. Give me some black puddings there, please, Brian. I'll honestly give it like an eight. I, okay. ge- I genuinely really enjoyed you it. I loved it. I, I was laughing a good bit. Okay. And I felt like maybe that's why your man left. Because I, was like, I don't know. <laughs> he got scared. Yeah, I mean, he didn't like me personally anyway. But uh, yeah, I just thought like there were so many jokes. And then it's just, it's just, do you know the way so, like so many things are so intelligent and uh-huh. each joke has to be so like, oh, this is very clever. Mm-hmm. These are like such dumb jokes. And I just loved it so much because you can ju- literally just com- like not even just switch off your mind just switch off all your body That's what we want and sometimes. just like completely just sit down and watch it and it's like an hour and a half long you could have watched it twice brilliant stuff yeah. okay 8 Plug Puddings out of 10 for Trolls Band Together and next week Brian is going to go to see Paw Patrol the mighty movie. <laughs> <laughs> my new friend <laughs> my new pal yeah that's, that's his type now that's his movie genre yeah it's if it's for people under the age of 12 then <laughs> guaranteed an I mean that's not completely not wrong more. it's not completely wrong in terms of movies I liked well but. I'm going to attempt this one over the midterm Trolls Band Together Brian thanks yeah, a million no brother at all the Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. It is the Sunday Grill here on Beat 102-103 and we are going to talk about media literacy because never has it been more important. Media Literacy Ireland sets to empower people with the skills and confidence to be able to access and critically evaluate content that they might see in mainstream media or social media. And we're going to talk about the Stop, Think, Check message and Martina Chapman is an independent consultant in the area of media and information literacy and she joins me this morning to tell us more. You're very welcome Martina. 
Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on. And that was a lot of big words, I suppose, in in one way. How would you sum up what media literacy is and what it means? Yeah, just as you were introducing it there, I thought, God, if I was listening to that, that'd be a bit complicated. <laughs> I'll tell you how I would sum it up. It's, it's, it's been able to figure out what information is true and accurate so that you can make an informed decision. Mm-hmm. So much, like we make decisions, hundreds of decisions every day. And to be able to make a good decision, an informed decision, one that works for you, you need to know that the information you're basing that on is, is good information, basically. Okay. And that has gotten much, much, much more difficult in recent years. Okay. And what is made that difficulty happen? Previously, um, like years ago, certainly when, when I was younger, we, we had a very regulated, very narrow, but very regulated kind of media environment. And uh, TV, radio, uh, pub, news publications, they all have to adhere to very strict rules and guidelines when they're uh, putting information out. Um, and, and then we have social media comes along and social media is amazing because it means that we can find information at literally at the click of a button mm-hmm. about practically anything we need to. And it's, it, it gives us ways of connecting with people, ways of engaging with people and finding stuff out that we just wouldn't know. Mm-hmm. Um, so much low, I'm, I'm from a rural community and so much goes on here and it's, it's communicated through social media. So social media is fantastic for all of that kind of stuff. But there's a downside to it as well. You know, when we're looking for information, it's much more difficult to figure out on social media where that information is coming from, what the motivation behind it is, and whether you can actually be sure that it's accurate and reliable. Mm -hmm. So is that about following people maybe on social media? And I'm following an awful lot of um, people in Gaza at the moment and also on the other side in Israel too. And... I think is it about deciphering what is fact and then what is opinion and opinion is okay but is that what the issue is that there's a lot of opinion out there? There is a lot of opinion out there um, and also but there's a lot of disinformation out there as well and disinformation is information that's deliberately created to mislead or to um, you know to confuse people or to sow seeds of doubt or to influence and the, the, the bad actors who create disinformation do it for a variety of reasons. Sometimes the motivation is money because more clicks equals more money for mm-hmm. a lot of people. And the more outrageous a piece of content is, the more likely people are to engage with it. Like the research shows that if there's a piece of content, if there's a news story or an item or a post out there, that's going to make you feel angry or fearful. That's much more likely to be... Um, you know, clicked and shared than a piece that is, you know, about something that's going to make you feel warm and, and fuzzy inside. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the, the mechanism of spreading this information exploits all of our own kind of emotional personalities. Mm-hmm. So disinformation is actually designed to trigger an emotional response. And I think we see that very much now with, with um, uh, a lot of the, the content around um, Gaza and mm-hmm. Israel. Mm-hmm. And the more, the more intense that emotional response, the more people are likely just to share information and not check whether it's, it's kind of accurate and reliable. Now, when you say that and when you're talking about disinformation, I'm thinking of this big organisation that, you know, is sitting there thinking of all the disinformation they can put out there. And I suppose that doesn't correlate with what I'm looking at, which is very personal stories. So in in Mm -hmm. one sense, is it 
people maybe putting disinformation out there and not even realising that they're doing that? Do you get what I mean? Yeah, this, this information, it, it can come, the, the bad actors behind disinformation can vary significantly. Mm. So disinformation can be very, very organised. It can come from highly organised um, kind of systems with complete, you know, whole bot farms mm-hmm. uh, behind it. That's just pushing out a particular narrative all the time. But disinformation can also be spread by just people like us who unwittingly see something, we react to it and we automatically spread it without Mm. checking it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's human nature. We all have our own personal biases for very good and very valid reasons. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we need when we're looking at content that's coming in from a source that maybe A, we're not familiar with, or even if we are, if we see a post from a friend and you're thinking, God, that's that's outrageous. You know, that that makes me feel really angry or really upset or really scared. It's worth pausing for just a moment and thinking, hang on now. Is this is this true and accurate? Because my friend may have felt the same way I'm feeling about it now mm-hmm. and may have just shared it without actually thinking where mm-hmm. did this come from or what's yeah. it about? And, you know, there's only so deep that we can get with stories. You know, we'd have to really do an awful lot of research into the background of what's happening in the Middle East right now in order to to really thoroughly understand it. So we are, and especially with social media, we are being fed all information from both sides um, that that we don't know too deeply, do we? And the the other thing, it's about nuance. Mm. Previously, so... In, in kind of older media, there would be more time, people like journalists would have more time to investigate mm-hmm. stories. There would be more time spent kind of explaining the background to something. But in social media, it's very difficult to get any kind of historical background or context or nuance into like 240 characters. Yeah, totally. You said earlier about media and mainstream media having lots of rules and codes. And yet a lot of people would say they don't trust mainstream media. Are, are you saying that we, we we should just trust the mainstream media and then move on and, and think about stopping and checking and thinking when it comes to social media more so? I think when wherever you get your information from, you should always be able to recognise bias in it. Because even... Mm. Sometimes, even with regulated media, there may be bias there. Mm-hmm. And if you're able to recognize that, then you're able to make an informed judgment about what that piece of content is saying. But there are very strict... I think one of the key things is that if a broadcaster makes a mistake or if something is put out and it's not correct, they have an obligation to correct that. Whereas information that goes out in on other platforms online, for example there isn't the same obligation to correct the information. Mm-hmm, totally. Well, um, as the campaign says, always try to stop, think, check what you're seeing and make sure you, what you're reading or hearing is accurate and reliable as well. And probably the best place to go is um, be smart, be media smart. Even. Be, be media smart.ie. There's tons of advice and tips. There's even a, an ask the expert function there. So if you've got a question, we have, a, we have eight fantastic experts there. Um, you can type in a question. We've got advice on, you know, uh, how to talk to family and friends mm-hmm. about conspiracy theories. And there's also um, training if, if you feel you want to know more. So, for example, um, there are training webinars coming up and we've also we're starting to train over 100 community trainers. So over the next few months, we hope to see Be Media Smart workshops popping up in places like youth centres and men's sheds and um, places like that as well. So who is behind this campaign, Martina? 
Well, Be Media Smart is an initiative of Media Literacy Ireland, and that's an informal alliance of people and organisations from across Ireland who are working together on a mostly voluntary basis to promote media literacy, and it's facilitated by On Commission the Man. Okay. Just before you go, can you just really sum up just quickly, why, why is this important? Why, why should people be so media smart that they're questioning things in an age where they get so much information? Well, it is because we're in an age where we're bombarded with mm. information. It's really hard sometimes to, you know, to think, well, where is all of this coming from? What is important information and what's not? And it's about making sure that you have the information when you're making any kind of decision. And the, the, the decisions could be about health. It could be about economics. It could be about politics. I mean, yesterday we were hearing a lot about the, the latest financial scam that was coming around mm-hmm. and again you need to you need to be able to think just stop for a minute think about uh, what what the information you're getting is and just check it and again on bmediasmart.ie there's really simple steps about how you can do that Okay good stuff some great advice there that is Martina Chapman and uh, she joins us from the southeast. she is a independent consultant in the area of media and information literacy and thanks a million for joining me this morning Martina Thank you very much. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102 103.